Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your host, Dr. Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you, folks. Thanks for taking this opportunity to allow this broadcast to come across your airwaves, to be part of this community, to listen in every day, to support us, to care for us, to love us. All that, friends, I say thank you. All that, I say thank you. And uh, with me, as always, is my friend Kevin. Good morning. Good morning, Doug. Yeah, so we've been moving along. What we did is in honor of, and again, uh, our dear friend, a dear friend, Caleb Klingerman, went to heaven this week. He was uh, His parents were friends of mine. I really didn't know Caleb well. I had one conversation of any length with him, which I think was at lunch or supper. Uh, we laughed a little. There was another young man sitting there at the table. And uh, at lunch, probably, you know, two or three more people for all I know. But in the times he did answer me and speak to me, he looked me in the eye like a man. He shook my hand. Uh, He spoke with me. He was a godly young man. So in honor of him, we're going through the stages of grief. Nothing to do with the Klingerman family. Uh, Kevin and I have not been on the phone with the Klingerman family saying, hey, what can we do to help you? Uh, What stage are you at? But we decided in honor of Caleb, we want something good to come out of this. And uh, we want we want to talk about the stages of grief and that. So this came to me literally uh, at we were going to get on the phone together at 11 o'clock to start this podcast. Uh, the first one a couple days ago on Monday and uh, uh, at 1058. At God put it on my heart that we should cover grief. So I wanted to give you all the background on that and ask you to please, please, please pray for the Klingerman family, what godly people, what godly, godly people. And uh, Brother Bruce, a Marine, uh, you know, a former Marine, and uh, Sister Manette, they, these folks worked, you know, they were down at uh, Pensacola Christian College. They worked down there. Bruce graduated up in Indiana uh, Baptist College. Uh, and, uh, I mean, these are just godly, great, educated, wonderful people. Uh, this boy was Caleb is, was as good as it gets. And, uh, so again, this has nothing to do with them other than an honor of Caleb. We wanted to talk about grief. We have not spoken. So we wanted to put that up front. So going into funny missionary story day, I'll even tell you the name of the pastor. So much like the pastor, because this pastor would love to have his name mentioned. And I know he's got a few people in the church who listen to this. Uh, Pastor Sherman Davis out there at Tabernacle Baptist Church in Kings, George, Virginia, is, uh, folks, I'll tell you this, by the goodness of God, God gave him an extra dose of funny. He is the funniest, uh, nicest, down-to-earth, uh, snarky. I mean, you name it. He, he can fit into all those categories in a single conversation. He can make you laugh so hard you're crying. And uh, anyway, I remember when I got to the church, I had never met uh, Pastor Davis before. I had just become a missionary. It was like the third, maybe the fourth church I was going to and uh, 2004, right at the beginning of 2004, and I went up there with my uh, my family. Actually, I had my whole family with me at that point, and I remember Pastor David immediately brought us downstairs and showed us the pictures of the missionary. Now, we were sent from a church in Heidelberg, Germany, that was pastored by a missionary named Dave Morose, and he walked right over that picture and said, yeah, I think I'm going to drop that guy. He's no good. And then he 
you know. And then anyway, he did that with about three or four pictures there of people he knew that I knew and I loved. And at some point, I was just ready to tell him, you know, you're a knucklehead. And it hit me exactly what he was doing. And I just laughed and he laughed and my family laughed. And I just realized what he was doing. Well, there was another missionary that was at the conference. There was actually three others. And uh, so pastor told us all, if, you, uh, if you're good through this conference, we're going to take you on for support. Everybody's getting support. If you're going overseas, you get 100. If you stay in, this is back 20 years ago. If you're staying stateside, you get 75 a month from us for support. And uh, I thought that was the greatest thing ever. Here we're being told we're going to be supported if we do right and keep our mouth shut. Well, there's one guy get up to <laughs> preach the first sermon, and he says something like, <laughs> he says, yeah, and I like those churches who realize that uh, church planting at home is just as important as church planting overseas. So, of course, you know, they sent this guy packing with a check. I took over preaching that morning, but everything. And then we had this other guy there. And, uh, and I remember this like it was yesterday. We had this other guy who was a retired Navy sailor. So I'm a retired soldier. He's a retired sailor. And you know where that goes, folks. We, this contention among us, it's, it's, it's peaceful contention. We just pick on each other. You know, I, I say things like I was going to yeah. join the Navy, but my hands were too big to fit in my pocket. Or I was going to join the Navy, but I liked girls. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and so those things were ongoing. And Pastor Davis, of course, was... Uh, he had been in the Air Force. So this guy gets up, it's his turn to, to preach, and he's a really good man, a good guy. And uh, at that time, he was planting a church outside of Jacksonville, and now I think he's over in uh, Aviano, Italy, as a church planter. But anyway, he gets up, and he, he gives Pastor Davis, at the end of his preaching, a Navy hat. And Pastor Davis walks up, he takes the hat and throws it on the floor. And said, brother, what are you doing here at my missions conference? You know I was in the Air Force. Are you trying to condemn me? Are you trying to make me look bad in front of my people? This is an Air Force shirt. And, and I mean, brother, the guy didn't get it. You know, the rest of us are there biting our lips, biting our tongues, dying. I'm dying so hard inside, I'm afraid I'm going to vomit. It's so funny. You know, but we kept that thing going all day. Well, the next morning, you know, the guy, the Navy guy, the retired Navy guy, didn't show up for breakfast. And he had called the pastor and said, hey, I can't make it until lunch. And, you know, we had breakfast together and lunch at supper. And so, of course, you know, I got up to preach that night. And then the other brother, it was his turn to show his video or something. And, and, uh, and you know, the other brother got thrown out who <laughs> questioned the pastor's support method. But anyway, uh, I got up, I preached, I got done preaching. The other guy came up and showed his video. When he got all done, he said, pastor, I want you to know that I woke up early, drove to Washington, DC to, uh, Andrews air force base and bought you an air force hat. And so pastor Davis came up and he put the hat on his head and said, you're forgiven. <laughs> and I, the church just busted out dying. And the guy finally realized that the pastor had got his goat. But uh, so anyway, it, w it was just so funny. And this guy was that funny. Everywhere we went, everywhere we did, you know, he was the type of guy who would walk into the men's room. You know, I'm over there washing my hands and someone's in a stall. And of course, Pastor Davis would yell out something like, can I have a complimentary flush, please? And I mean, it was just, what in the world? He, he's just a great guy. And, uh, you know, uh, anyway, I, I, I don't want to get into any of the smells or anything like that, but, uh, you know, it's oh, just, my soul. he was just a fun, he's just a funny, funny man. 
Amen. So today, getting away from the funniness, and, and there's great pastors out there, and he's among them. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the concept, it's real. A bargaining is real. It's biblical. It's getting to that place that in times of loss, you know, sometimes we want to make deals and bargains uh, to cope with the pain. Uh, we see it in Exodus 32. We see it, uh, you know, all over the place. Uh, and and I actually, I went ahead and I pulled up a couple verses. We see it in Samuel, First uh, Samuel 30, 15. And David said unto him, can't thou bring him down to this company? And he said, swear unto me by God that thou will neither kill me nor deliver me in the hands of the master and I will bring thee down to his company. We see Laban dealing with it with Jacob because thou art my brother, shouldest thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me, and again, bargaining, we see it. And another word for that or a current word for that would probably be negotiating. And, uh, and when he went his way and communed the chief priests and the captains, how he might betray unto them. And uh, over and over again, you know, there's bargains being made in negotiations. And every one of these in context, Kevin, when we put these in context, when we look at them, it, it's, it's a place that we shouldn't find ourselves in. Um, you know, again, God recognizes that there's a natural struggle when loss shows up, uh, that your world is turned upside down that, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody who lost their spouse a few months back and, uh, this lady, I mean, just married 40 years, uh, wonderful lady, you know, married at 18 years old, uh, just that marriage was something to talk about. I mean, usually those 18 year old marriages don't work out, but theirs sure did. And uh, neither one of them had a bad story to say about the partner. And, you know, her husband goes to heaven. Uh, And, you know, to explain to her, it's natural to try to negotiate these things away. But honestly, from a biblical perspective, you know, exposure is the big thing. Realizing that this is my, um, this is part of my identity now. My first identity is Doug Carriger. My second identity is Doug Kerrigan's mom died at that time or whatever, however that fits in your category. And, and, and we got to realize that. And, and so in, in the psychology world, there are some people who do some great stuff through exposure. So they have this cognitive thing. They have this exposure thing. They actually have this eye movement thing. Uh, but what they do through these things is they expose you to the terrible trauma to soften it. And uh, they keep on bringing it up so that the triggers, they look for those triggers that shut you off, those things that, that make you want to bargain, those things that make you angry, those things that throw you into denial, those things that make you depressed. And, and so in, in, in counseling, the idea is to keep bringing this stuff up to the point where you're almost desensitized. It's almost like me years ago, I, uh, I was allergic to bee stings in the army and still got a little bit of it, but they, they did what they called the desensitization process where I got in and they'd give me a little teeny bit of a bee sting. And I'd sit there for 20 minutes to make sure I didn't blow up like a balloon. And, and then a couple of weeks after getting that little teeny bit, the teeny bit gets a little bigger. And over the course of about six months, that shot gets to the point where they're giving me an entire bee sting. And, and my immunity to that thing has built up to the point where I, I don't go into anaphylactic shock. So the idea behind uh, this and, and, and through your doctors and things of that nature, I think it's the same in the Bible. But in the Bible, when we get to that point where we say, God, you got this. God, I need your help. I had to get it. It took me three months when my mom died. Three months. 
before I got to that point, it was months. And I said, Lord, you got this. I'm, I need your help. Uh, this is the most terrible thing I experienced. And, and folks, we don't know what folks are going through. But hey, let me go ahead and run and do what the radio station's got to do. We'll be right back with you. So as I pass this over to Kevin, I guess what I actually want to say to you folks is it's okay to sit around and talk about this. It's okay to bring all this out in the open. It's okay uh, to talk about your emotions and what God's telling you and what God's teaching you and how you can help others. Uh, I remembered it wasn't three or four months later and a good friend of mine's mom died. And I remember running into the room and just muckling a hold of him and him and I just crying and just we, we were part of that that band of trials. Um, and I, I think I was able to help them, Kevin. Yeah. Well, Hey, I want to say, first of all, brother, um, thank you for dealing with this great, great need, great topic. <clears throat> and, um, if I ever go through grief, I want, I want, and I'm not just saying this brother, I want, I want you by my side because you've, you've got, uh, a gift for helping people with grief. So I praise the Lord for you. Um, having said that, so all of these, all of, you know, denial, anger, these stages, bargaining, which is what we're talking about today, depression, acceptance, all of these are so natural. And again, I, I mentioned it a couple of days ago that, you know, denial is that is God's helping us with a shock of trauma to not initially just, you know, die from it. And so it's, it's just like a, being in a car accident, they find you in shock, but, but you need some help. If you don't get help, you can die from the shock. So the, as, as people go through denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, we have to realize they're natural. So we don't want to come in and, and, um, deny them the freedom to go through denial and all of these things. And one of these things, so as you, you have the high of denial, then the low of anger, then you tend to bounce back because as a human being, you can't stay down in anger, you know, forever or it'll kill you. So you want to come back up to a, a high spot where you begin to, uh, like you said, negotiate with this trauma. Like I, I'm going to in stages, get used to it. Um, I had a, uh, a little bit of a trauma. This doesn't really have to do with grief, but you know, I don't like controlling people and, uh, you know, and, and I think, I think most of us have a little bit of control freak in us where we want our world to be under control. We don't like it to seem out of control, but there's a, um, an individual. So we, we bought a house, uh, in order to plant a church near Fort Bragg and this house that I bought, um, we were scoping it out and the guy that was, uh, in the house next door, the, he owned the house next door. I just got the sense that it was going to be a, um, uh, he was going to maybe be an energy taker. He was just going to be someone just hard to deal with. And he was going to always push the envelope and try to take stuff from you. And, um, sure enough, uh, from the time we got in the contract for our house to the time we bought it, he had cut down some of the, some of the trees on our property. And I was like, this can't stand. 
So uh, the, the stage of anger was there. I was like, this will not stand. I've got to go to him and confront him. But I thought, I don't know if I, you know, it's the best way. I'm just moved in here. And he did cut him down before I was technically the owner of the property. And I began bargaining. And, and I just remember clearly the stage of bargaining. And I read an article that says something like, if you've got a neighbor that's hard to get along with and he is critical of you, in this case, I don't like the fact that you have those trees and they can fall on my property. So I'm going to cut them down before you move in. So if you got someone who's going to wrong you and you want to stop it, the advice of the article was go to them and, and, and say, hey, let me get your opinion about something. And then begin a little bit of a negotiation and brother that made a, a discouraging situation, a great situation because I did go to him and I said, I said, Hey man, um, you know, I noticed, uh, we had some trees that, that were probably endangering your house. I, I don't see them there anymore, but is there, is there a way that, you know, that, you know, may, maybe the, our, our property still, uh, makes you feel uncomfortable because we are a little bit of a high, our, our property was on an embankment above his house. So I, I get how he was feeling, but I went asking his opinion and by asking his opinion, he was able to not come back from the standpoint of you're a jerk. You're my neighbor and you're going to wreck our house to, Oh, he's interested in my opinion. And so we began this negotiation back and forth. And you know what? He became the best neighbor we had. He absolutely became the, the champion of our property. And he helped us in so many ways. We helped him. They had some goats. The goats escaped. They were on our property. We were able to help get the goats back. So enable, instead of sacrificing his goats and eating the flesh, <laughs> and uh, we were able to actually become great friends. And to this day, they're great friends. So I'm just, awesome. I'm just seeing that as a normal, but a good thing that God's built into us. Yeah. I, and, and I think that's probably the greatest story ever, but I just want to say just coming out of nowhere that goats freak me out. You know, they hang sideways. We talked about that last week during the <laughs> podcast. I, I remember one time I came out, I was uh, up in New York state. So a couple of kids I grew up with in high school, I'm, I'm like 16 and a half years old. And, and there's, there's one lady and her boyfriend talked me into going to her grandparents' house in New York state, you know, cause I had the car. And uh, so, so we go cranking and it's, it, it was upstate a little it was a long drive for a 69 chevy impala you know th thank goodness gas was only 40 cents a gallon or something but 49 cents or whatever it was at that time but i remember we got up to new york and i woke up the next morning and it was kind of a, a setup trip where they were trying to hook me up with a cousin or something i think i don't remember uh it was nothing that had any effect on me at all because i was like now you know um I, you know, I was kind of shallow back then. Uh, and anyway, if you weren't, you know, if you didn't fit my model, I wasn't interested in even talking to you. You know, I did talk to her, but I wasn't interested in starting this long distance thing where she would be my girlfriend because I thought she looked a little bit like a Volkswagen bug. But anyway, I say all this about goats freaking out as I... <laughs> I came out. Yeah. You put a horn on her brother. She's a Volkswagen. But anyway, I came out the next morning and there was a goat standing on the hood of my car. Now, I had an old beat up 69 Chevy Impala. All right. There, there, there was nothing special about this car. But I remember thinking to myself, you know, how am I going to get this billy goat off my car? 
you know? So I went over and I'm yelling and the goat's trying to bite me and squawking at me and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so I remember I went back in the house and I told grandma, you know, we were calling her grandma and grandpa. I said, grandma, there's a goat on the front end of my car. She said, oh, honey, let me go get it. And she grabbed an apple and took a bite of it and held it on the ground. The goat jumped on my car and she threw the apple out in the field or something and the goat went away. But goats have always freaked me out when they get in my car. But here's, here's what I want to go back to. And I think that's a great lesson you've just shared with us. Bargaining is a tool uh, from the devil. I mean, we bargained to buy a car. We bargained to buy a house. Kevin bargained in a Christian way with his neighbor. The neighbor bought into taking care of his house. He bought into taking care of the neighbor's house. Uh, but God holds no such bargains with us. He doesn't make God's God. It's, it's black and white. And we as uh, his subjects, people who accept his will, people who accept his plan, we all find ourselves in the place um, where we, we accept what he has for us. And it, and it takes some time sometimes. It did, you know, I, I definitely saw this stage with mom uh, when she passed away and uh, trying to make deals, you know, and God, please, I'll, I'll, I'll go to church every day. If you, you know, don't take anyone else from me, I'll do it. So that's what bargaining look like. Or, or God, I, I, you know, I'll do this for you or I'll do that for you. There's many ways we can say it, but in my life, that's what it looked like. And, and, and that's not the God we serve. The God we serve, he's not magic. He's not, uh, the plan for us was made before all time. And he knows when we're going to begin breathing, when we're going to stop breathing. He He's got the call on that. He's the, uh, as Coach LeClaire used to say, he's the head coach. He says who goes in and who comes out. And, uh, and, and, and folks, we, we just need to trust God through those things. <laughs> yeah, so Coach LeClaire-isms continue on. But uh, uh, God, God's more than the head coach. But, but listen to me, friends. So we, we've sat here and we looked at a few things already. We've looked at uh, things of grief. We started with denial there on day one. We talked about grief. We introduced denial. We came into uh, day two as we were looking at the different steps involved with denial. And, uh, uh, and, and then we, I think we went right into anger and wrapped them up. And then today we did bargaining. You want to make sure you come back tomorrow for depression and uh, we'll move forward on that. But we sure do love you folks. If there's anything we can do for you, uh, make sure you contact us on the helpful wounded spirits, Facebook page or Doug at wounded spirits.com. You all know how to get a hold of Kevin, Rob, Kevin, R A U B Rob, and, uh, uh, drop us a note. If there's anything we can do for you, we'd really be honored. May God bless you, my friends. And look out for those goats. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. It is very important to all of us at Help for Wounded Spirits that you know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear with a simple salvation message. You can know today. First, you're a sinner for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, there's a price on sin. For the wages of sin is death. Third, Jesus paid that price for you. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lastly, you must speak it with your mouth and believe it with your heart. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made known unto salvation. Simply ask the Lord to save you 
in Jesus' name while believing in your heart, and he will. Please contact us if we can help you in any way. God bless you. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources, more information, or to donate to help this vital ministry, visit us at woundedspirits.com.